The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. All right. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy Eye Candy Kimsey. After the holidays, it's Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Roll. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I got rolls now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it had something to do with like little like dog turds or something. Uh, I don't know why. I don't I don't don't, don't know either. To also to my left is Teasy on a mom so hard, subverse. Don't forget your jacket. <laughs> I like how you said that like a creepy girl from a horror movie. <laughs> it's just, it was just natural. It just came right out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my favorite still eats your broccoli. <laughs> oh, yeah. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Sarita at the Edge, Edgerton. Hello. Jerry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. I really want, <laughs> I, we need some wrestling music, like legit. Oh, yeah. Write some wrestling music, Andy. I don't write wrestling music. You don't? (laughs) So, guys, we've been off for a little while, huh? It's been a minute since we've been in the studio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had, uh, there's a lot that's been going on. And if anybody's been keeping up with what's going on, uh, we were kind of in the middle of some controversial stuff. Then that's that's okay. Um, We're just a bunch of jackasses (laughs) trying to study the Bible. And... um, but it's been it's been a, a blessing. I, I think you guys would all say the same, right? It's been a blessing just doing all this together. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, whatever my equivalent of that is. Well, it just when it comes to controversy, uh, my next guest uh, in his early days, I would especially say uh, Pastor Michael Miano of uh, Blue Point Bible Church is here in the studio with us. Thank you for being here, Mike. Thank you for the invite. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to see Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful, beautiful town. Hendersonville's a beautiful Absolutely. little area. Yeah. So, um, I'm just out of curiosity. Do you drink milk? Yes, you do. Before you eat, do you normally like bless the food, like ask blessing over the food? Sometimes. So technically, you pasteurize it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh the only joke Lord I got, but Marcy. Cherry's got one. No, that was good. You going to bring it, Cherry? Yeah. Let's hear, ready? It. Let's hear it. Here we go. Okay. This is actually a joke that my husband told me that he got from his friend, so I was pretty impressed when it made me laugh. Anyway, so this that husband- says a lot. That sentence <laughs> yeah. said a lot. <laughs> it does. Y'all just don't know. So anyway, so a husband and a wife went to Jerusalem, and they were over there, and unfortunately, the wife died. So they told the husband that it would cost him $45,000 to get her back to the United States, or he could pay $500 to have her buried there. So he thought about it, and he said, I think I'm going to go ahead and spend the money to get her back home. And they were confused, and they said, we, we're, we're confused. We're just trying to understand why would you spend that much money when we're offering you such a good deal? And the man said, well, I heard that one time you buried a man here, and three days later he rose, and I can't <laughs> risk that. <laughs> uh, okay. That was good. That's clever. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that was very good. 
So, uh, Pastor Miano, um, I ask every guest. Uh, we have several questions that we bring, and evidently we ask questions that get us in trouble, <laughs> but this one won't. Um, can you tell us the first time you heard the name Jesus Christ? Yeah. Uh, I love the Burroughs of Berea, by the way. So Thank I've you. heard that question asked, and I appreciate a lot of the responses folks have given. Um, if I might start this way, I would say that early on in my life, my grandmother brought me to Catholic Church, and I would sleep in the pew. And, you know, I don't know that I ever heard the name Jesus, but I believe that's important to that story, or to my story at least. Um, however, the, the time that I know that I heard Jesus Christ, was when I was about 13 years old, a woman that would bring thrift clothing to my house. She would bring kind of garbage bags full of clothing for me and my younger brother and to riff through and find our size. And she invited us to church and we were we went to a born again, I didn't know any of these titles then. Um, we went to the church there and that was the first time that I began, about 13 years old, I began to understand that there was some sort of message behind the Christians and Jesus Christ died on the cross and things like that. Mm -hmm. And how old did you say you were? 13. 13. Okay. So if you will, take us on your journey. So we've, a lot of us have actually read your book, so we might be asking questions along the way. Um, but take us on the journey. So you first hear the name Jesus, take us to the, the point of your salvation story and how you got to where you are now. Sure. Um, I grew up in a, a broken home, kind of passed around between family members and um, my mom suffered drug addiction at the time, and she's clean by the grace of God today, my hero. And um, she, uh, well, due to her addiction, I was passed around from family member to family member to foster homes, ended up in foster care. And um, that led me obviously to a place of rebellion where I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who loved me. I wanted somebody to love me. I wanted some purpose. I wanted family. I wanted to know what does that mean? And while my family was there for the most part, they didn't really play too much of an active role in helping me feel that way, feeling as if I had family. So I ended up getting involved in gangs. I joined a gang at a young age, 13 years old, and uh, met some kids at school and introduced me to some other kids or older men. And that sort of was the story from that moment forward. I lived in that lifestyle for from 13 to 20, 23, 22. Um, from 16 to 19 years old, I spent more time in jail than I did home. So that became, kind of gave me my identity. You know, it was just a troublemaker. I'm just, you know, this person that's going to cause trouble going in and out of jail. And I was okay with that. And I kind of developed this idea that that would be my life. I would be in prison for the rest of my life. And I would just figure my identity that way. And of course, there was ego involved. And, you know, I'm going to be the, for the lack of a better phrase, the badass that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, is going to um, have this identity. And um, again, it was all about identity for me. And it still is. I would say that I'm still in a, a moment in life where I'm still finding my identity, learning about myself. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was 19, I was sent to prison. And um, when I went to prison, I lived the identity that I was going for, uh, for about two years. And then my second year in prison, um, I realized that this street life, the, what I was being taught was just not, it, it wasn't uh, adding up. It wasn't, I wasn't going to get the, the, 
reputation or I wasn't going to be the person that I was going for. There's no cherry on that particular Sunday. That's exactly right, Andy. Exactly. And uh, so there just wasn't, uh, it it wasn't working out. So then I, I, uh, I began to challenge myself to find something to live for Mm -hmm. and not leaving the gang because it's a conversation in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, But just trying to find something that I could live for. And I knew I was, I was doing a three-year sentence and I knew I was going to go home at some point, God willing. And who was I going to be? And if this street life didn't add up to who I wanted to be, then who was I living for? And, and that gave me freedom in that moment to say, let me go on a journey. And I did. I started reading. I've always loved to read, loved to read since first grade. So even in the midst of my gang life, I would read and it would kind of be my uh, relief, if you will, to read a book and get out of that worldview. And I, uh, I began reading and I started with, um, the last thing I was going to start with was Christianity because it just didn't really captivate me. It didn't seem like the, the people that I had met that were Christians were nice, but it never really seemed like something that, again, I've been to church before. I didn't give me any identity. I still joined my gang. I would even go to uh, youth nights and so forth when I was in my teen years. And there was nothing there that captivated me. So I started looking into Middle uh, or Eastern religion, Buddhism, and um, taking in myths, wanting to be the, the different person. So f- let me find something with the Greek mythology that nobody else knows. And I'm going to create my own religion and kind of went down this whole uh, experience. And I'm in prison at this time, doing a lot of reading. Prison will afford you the opportunity to uh, read a lot. And uh, so I did a lot of reading and eventually I found my way to Islam. And I had heard Islam before. Uh, in my teen years, I would be in and out of, if I wasn't in jail, I was in like a mental health hospital. And you know, someone there is trying to console me with something. I had a woman that had taught me about Islam in a mental health facility when I was younger. So here I am in prison. And I this sounds captivating. These people in prison, these Muslim men in prison are learning Arabic. They're talking about going home and changing the way they dress, change their entire lifestyle. That sounded like a lot more than what the Christian community was offering that I'm going to be loving, whatever that might mean. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I started going down the uh, road of Islam and studying Shiite, Shiite Islam. And the man that was, I was studying with, he was very anti-Christian. So he wanted me to learn why Islam was right and Christianity was wrong. So he would give me a lot of books. I still have one of them to this day, uh, Jesus, the, Jesus, the Prophet of Islam. And reading that book was ultimately what challenged me with history. I've loved, I always loved history. And as I looked at the history there of Jesus and Islam, I began to have questions. Just, you know, again, I, I got my GED in the county jail. So, you know, I'm not some really educated person, but I'm studying and I'm reading and I'm trying to learn. So here I am in prison and I'm going through, I'm asking my mom to send me um, the Gnostic scriptures, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and all these different writings that I can try to get a handle on what what is going on in history with this Islam and Christianity. And it was through that, that I came to see that the story of Jesus was either true, that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later, or it's a complete farce. And I studied and studied and 
I wasn't going in the direction of Christianity. That was, you know, again, this was more of an ego in my own journey where I wanted to create my own religion. You know, I wanted to kind of have the right answer and um, go home like, and like Welchianism. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know a name for it at the time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, to kind of sum up that journey there, I, uh, I would go to, I started going to Catholic services again. And again, I knew that when I was younger, at least I was able to fall asleep in the pew. So it seemed like it was a peaceful place. So here I am in prison. I'm going to start going to Catholic services. I started going to Catholic services and I got to a point where I needed something more. I just, I knew like, all right, nobody there's greeting me. Nobody was really, there wasn't any family or anything like that. So if I'm going to try to find something positive for my life and I'm going to go home and retain this, I need something more. So I, I had asked somebody in the prison, uh, how do I go to Protestant Christian services? And he said, well, instead of telling you how to go, I'm going to introduce you to a person. And he introduced me to this man named Paul. And uh, not uh, Paul from Tarsus. Not the Apostle Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would have been fascinating. Right? Well. Um, he was in prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm telling you. I'm he telling had- you. Um, interestingly enough, the man that led me to Christ, this man, Paul was in prison for murder. So there's even more to it than more correlation there. So, um, he ended up, that man ended up leading me to Christ. Uh, and he used something that I believe is very important and it speaks to me even today. He came down to my level. He spoke to me in a way that I would understand. And he said, you know, uh, you're interested in politics. You're interested in history. Well, then let's study that. And we would study, and he had a, a shtick, if you will, uh, with his version of Christianity. He believed that he was seeking out those that loved to read, those that loved to study, because he believed that we were the watchmen on the wall, mm-hmm. that we were going to be those that are warning this generation that to get ready for the coming of the Lord. And, you know, Jesus is coming. So that made sense. And he took my limited understanding, a kid that still thinks he knows it all, um, and he he challenged me and he he helped me study and he gave me a reason to live. I was going to go home from prison and I was going to help my friends. And I wrote to all my friends from prison, you know, you need, and I'll get in on my salvation experience in a moment, but I, I started writing all my friends, you know, this message of Christianity is true. You know, Jesus rose from the dead. There's no other way that you can make sense of this in history. And um, really, you know, writing to my mom, writing to everybody I could. And um I ended up, I just, I love to study. So I sort of studied my way to a point where I, I, I would say now God was, I got him. And I remember being in my prison cell one night and I just, I sat there and I said, well, God, if, if you're real, then I'm going to commit myself. I'm going to, and by the way, the gang I had joined as a child or when I was 13 uh, was called the Gangster Disciples. So I had a familiarity with the phrase disciple. I understood what it meant to be a disciple to be devoted to something, to, to learn, to always learn and want to follow after that idea and make that your identity. So I just used the same attitude that I had in that gang idea. And I said, well, then I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I went out to the prison yard and there was, you know, they all laughed. I said, well, how do you, how does one join the Christian community? You know, and they all laughed. It's not a gang, Mike. Yeah. And um, <laughs> no, no gang initiation. <laughs> and, uh, Oh boy. We're going to have you go rub it out. <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah, yeah I'm trying to imagine that yeah. right now. A Christian gang uh, initiation. initiation. Yeah, initiation. You have to know how to make fried chicken in the South. That would be a, if you're a female, you have it's to know a, how to make fried chicken. Uh, it, it, how that long can you sense. hold your breath during your baptism? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm curious if like the what is it, cat and nine tails or somehow we get involved in all <laughs> there that. There you go. Yeah. 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 The little kids version. There's a real opportunity there. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Christian Church <laughs> yeah. is missing out. We got a real opportunity here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that's Catholics, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because obviously we do know there are Christian traditions that sort of sort of build on that idea of an yes. initiation yes. process. You know, they this do. is how we know you're a Christian now. Uh, thanks be to God that that was not my initial experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, they just, they said, well, we'll pray. And, you know, we cried and it was, that was a, a beautiful moment for me to see grown men that are in prison. And we were in a maximum A prison, the, the highest classification in New York state. And these men are breaking down and crying over me, over yeah. my salvation, the fact that I want to repent and change my life. So that was my, my journey to Christ. And uh, I never looked back. I, I, how, old, how old were you at that point? Uh, 22. 22. Okay. So just so you know, like when I watch a fiction movie where somebody gets saved, I cry. Like I would be in that prison, like crying my face off when somebody comes to Christ. Even if I know, gosh, that's an actor. They probably don't, whatever, but they've come to Christ. I ball. Like, well, if they're doing their job right. right yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, apparently we're not doing our job right. Oh. <laughs> Speak for wow. yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you... You know, if you think about that, like what you just said, Sarita, it's true. Like, and I felt that way too. Like, whenever I had a guy that, you know, the guy that listened to the fourth episode of our podcast, remember that? Mm -hmm. And then he reached out to me and, you know, I was able to lead him to the Lord. Like, I had that moment and I'll never forget that moment. Never. You know, it's just that, like, do you, do you ever talk to that guy, Paul? Do you ever talk to him now? Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, while I was in prison, he got transferred, and I felt like that was my sort of getting kicked out of the nest. You know, now I'm the missionary in the jail, and, and he was known. They would call him, and I should have known this. They called him the Waco Wacko. Oh. I had no, Waco, what's that? Mm. You know, and yeah. eventually I learned it was a place in Texas. Okay. Uh, but then obviously, eventually I was, oh, now I know what they were going for in that jail. Um, so he ended up getting transferred, and I became this person that was, I guess, my own version of the Waco Wacko. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's it. And, uh, you know, and going around the jail and making it all about, uh, you know, we have to get ready for the time of the end. And him and I obviously didn't communicate in prison. You can't write to other prisoners. I came home from prison. I wrote him. I visited him. And I, um, I wrote him. I visited him. And then I ended up uh, losing communication with him for a little bit after I uh, became a preterist which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, he felt as though I was creating an artificial- Should we pause? Should we pause? I thought my, I could- my, I, I mean, I thought geez, we could be subtle, but it was hard, a very yeah. It's hard for him to focus whenever we're like yeah. playing with all the stuff. I was stuff. just like, put your right hand on that I thing. I feel like there's charades going on. I'm like, first word, it was terrible. It was terrible. I know, it was terrible. I thought that would be easy. I'm so sorry. Just so our listeners understand- Pastor Miano can actually have a thought and speak. It's not a problem, but when we're all dancing around in the studio, it's very difficult. Sorry oh, about I that, Mike. I apologize very much. <laughs> no, no worries. My microphone kept sinking. Yeah. So you I'm not good keep... at charades, so I wouldn't have been able to. Learn <laughs> I was very confused. Trying to coach quietly, like over there, just trying to. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, you couldn't keep in touch with this man in prison. You couldn't write letters. And not in prison. Right. And then when I came home, I, I did write him. Uh, you know, that's what you should do if you're in prison with people and you leave. You should write them and let them know, you know, I'm still thinking about you. I still care about you. Um, and he was still my spiritual father in that sense. And I still believe that to this day. And um, so then I, eventually I had written him that I bumped into, and this is years later. I've been out of prison now. I came home from prison in 2006. And in 2000 and 
11, I wrote him telling him that I had considered this or I had become a preterist. Mm -hmm. And he felt as though I was creating an artificial divide between the word Jew and Gentile. He said, we're all one in Christ. So why do you keep focusing on this? It's for the Jews and Gentiles. And it was hard to uh, develop that conversation with him, especially through written letters. Right. So um, he's home by the grace of God today. He's uh, he's home now and he's uh, living a good life, it seems, in New York, upstate New York. And um, him and I are friends on Facebook. We communicate on Facebook and uh, he's probably going to come on one of my podcasts in the near future. And I'll get to ask him, why he stopped writing me when he heard the word preterist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty Happen, bad whenever a, lot. Uh, a murdering guy from prison considers you a heretic. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's fascinating. So being a pastor, so when did that begin in, in your walk? So you, you were saved at the age of 20, 22. Mm-hmm. And when did you become a pastor? So remember, when he left the jail, the prison— I kind of became a pastor in that jail. That's I was right. The, the local, the missionary in the prison. And I would make it my business. You know, I would go to the prison yard and go out there. Everybody would joke. They called me Mikey Bibles, Mikey Scriptures, had all these nicknames. You know, I'd come out there ready to go, finding it's somebody very, to talk to. It's very brave. I don't even mean in the context of a prison. I just mean in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many of us won't go on the street corner in downtown Hendersonville and do it because well, somebody might think badly of us. Or, I mean, you know, well, standing I did. They on just the street corner like and yelling is a little different than kind of talking to people individually, even that's but the He was next standing level. in the prison yard yelling. Oh, were you? Were you <laughs> well, like soapboxing? Like, preaching. No, no. He said preaching. No, preaching more so on a one-on-one level. Yeah, talking yeah, to see, people. That's what I imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that, how she walked over to the weightlifting equipment. You're all like, gonna Yo, you're burn. All going to hell. You're gonna burn. Yeah, I, I that did that. Been brave. <laughs> I did that. I, I did that once on the corner. I was wearing a suit and a tie. Nobody wanted to talk to me. It's like, who's this crackpot? I, I can't imagine why. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah. even even on an individual level, I think it's brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I actually have my fair share of street preaching. So I, I, I hear that open air street preaching. I don't know that I think it's effective. Um, I, and I don't want to speak bad of anybody that does that. Um, I, matter of fact, I'm working on something for this year where I'm going to get out there and I think the Christian community can learn from listening rather than always having mm. to preach at people. Maybe my idea is I'm going to get on the corner and I have a sign that says, can't we all just get along? Right. And uh, it's yeah. built on a game. There's an agility game where it's called, can't we all just get along? And you pull a card, you roll a dice and you answer a question. You don't tell people how to answer the question what the question, you know, define the words for them. You just let them answer it however they want. Yeah. And you don't have to give feedback. And I, I actually did this recently at an event in our area. And uh, I found it to be very beneficial uh, in having conversation with people. People like when you want to listen to them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, that's little that's ramble a, there. but That's a cool idea. That's, that's fun. a really cool idea. Creates yeah. conversations. Get yeah. you to meet somebody new. Um, so... I mentioned the, the prison. That was my first pastorate, if you will. I came home from prison in 2006, and I began to try to find a local church. It would make sense to get involved in a local church. And uh, so I started to journey around, and I was looked at strange. I have tattoos. I know there's a podcast that's great, um, but uh, I have <laughs> tattoos on my face, you know, and I would wear short sleeves. I have tattoos all over my arms. And I was also in the, the baggy clothes style. You know, I came home from prison. It wasn't like, I'm a Christian now. I'm supposed to wear a suit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I still wore my baggy clothes and I know I was looked at a little strange. Uh, For the record, he looks very good today. Uh, he looks better than all of the burrows combined. Very yeah. dapper. Well, actually, sure. I feel like if you combined us all, we'd look worse. So that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a fair comparison. <laughs> but, uh, but he looks better than all of us individually. I take exception to that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's very pastorly. <laughs> Thank you, though. Thank you very much. Um, 
yeah, so I I, uh, I started to try to find a church, and it was hard. It was hard to you know find anybody to even be kind to me. You know, I even went to Catholic churches, I went to Orthodox churches, I went to born again churches, I went everywhere, and it was just I couldn't find a connection. Mm-hmm. So the the man that led me to Christ while he was still in prison, he said, "Well, why don't you start a ministry?" wherever you can. He said, does your mom have a shed? And I said, well, she actually does have a garage. And he said, well, then use it. And I started opening up her garage. I set it up, you know, what I envisioned a church should look like. They had church services in the prison. So I kind of knew. And I started leading service, leaving services there. Now I didn't want to compete with churches on Sunday. So I started doing like a Thursday night, you know, come by and I'll preach a sermon. We'll eat some food and a fellowship. And I started doing that out of my mom's backyard. And I had a side ministry where I would try to meet with pastors. A part of our, a part of me coming to Christ was that I was a member of the tribe of Dan and that I was going to be this watchman on the wall that was going to warn people. So I had known right from my initial Christian experience that there were Christians out there that were confused, that weren't paying attention, that weren't, you know, uh, being serious about the faith. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was kind of the idea that Paul had ingrained in impressed upon me was that, you know, I was going to be this warrior, this reformer that was going to, you know, and it was exciting. Mm -hmm. So I started meeting with different pastors uh, and asking them, what would they, what are they doing to prepare for the times that are ahead? We all know that there's going to be a mark of the beast. We all know that there's going to be, uh, you know, these times ahead, what are we doing to prepare? So my, my ministry at that point was, and that was me pastoring kind of self ordained in that, you know, matter. Um, and then I did that for about a year and a half. And then uh, at that time, I was in a relationship where we decided that uh, maybe we should leave New York. And my, uh, you know, you notice I'd stop talking about the gang stuff. It mm-hmm. didn't just go away. Right. right. You know, so um, it was like, you know, maybe it's good for me to go somewhere else. So, so were you in the neighborhood when you're talking about doing this from the, from the garage and stuff, were you in the neighborhood that you grew up in at that point and still and doing it from there? Yeah. Wow. Still, yeah. Yeah. Still That's in that hard. same people area. People won't necessarily, people don't like to let people change in big ways. They, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. That was a journey in and of itself. Well, because it exposes them and their behavior. Hmm. Amen. Even yeah. Jesus couldn't couldn't could do a few miracles in his own hometown, right? Because right. of a lack of faith. They were That's like, right. "What? I remember that kid when he was just a little tyke." Yeah, That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Even with family, sometimes you know, I have to remind myself of that verse to just keep sanity. Sometimes you know, yeah. prophet mm-hmm. is not welcome in their own hometown. They they're not received right. Yeah. So, um, so I left. I moved to Florida, Fort Myers, Florida. I took up an internship. At this time, I enrolled in school. I felt, you know what. Maybe I need to get some credentials here. So I enrolled in Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. I was going online. And um, they had a curriculum where you would you would come to the campus. And they have two campuses. They have one in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they have one in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And you would basically go to the campus and then once every quarter take a test. And then you have to have an active internship. So part of me moving to Florida was that I picked up an internship in a local church. Mm-hmm. And they brought me on and they put me with the title of connection group leader, which was what some churches might call an associate pastor or whatever. So I was a connection group leader. I would go to these different groups. And this was the beginning of my, I guess, ministry, you know, learning about ministry, going to school. And I, um, so I started working in that church. And to kind of sum up that point, my, my point there, um, I was working in that church as an intern and I had an issue with something the pastor had said where he said that we are a pan-tribulationist church. 
And I had, at that point, I already knew, okay, well, there's those that believe in the rapture that are pre-trib and I'm post-trib. So I believe that I'm going to be here going through the rapture and I'm going to, you know, help people through these times. So basically I I met with one of our pastors and I said, uh, okay, so how does this work? This pan-tribulationist thing. And he said, well, this church doesn't really focus on eschatology. We don't make that our focus. And you would imagine I had a problem with that. I was saying, well, wait a minute. Mm. Jesus said that we need to be prepared. You know, we need to, uh, you know, I, I did know the verse about moving to the mountains, so we were making plans to go to the mountains, mm-hmm. uh, Luke twenty one twenty two, for that matter. But um, that were was you, were you in Judea? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was in Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there aren't any mountains there. <laughs> no. If you'll permit me to back you up, so about when? So you found uh, you found religion at twenty two. About when did you become a preterist? I think this is really interesting because it feels like you made that jump a lot faster than a lot of other people who have made that jump that didn't just come from a preterist background make it. So it seems like you moved there relatively quick compared to the normal arc that I hear. So when did you find that? I'm sorry, this is backwards totally, but I'm just curious. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I've noticed listening to some of the testimonies here on the program, I've noticed I have a sort of accelerated journey. Yeah, totally. Um, Mm -hmm. I became a preterist in 2010. And did you want me to kind of, I I mentioned that I answered your question about the pastor and I felt it was important to mention, you know, the my beginning in school, and then ultimately what I was doing there in the prison yard. That was my beginning of the pastorate, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that's um, fine. Just, yeah, you can keep going on the arc that you're on, and then you'll get to that point. That's yeah, fine. so— uh, I was going to ask you one question, too, because, like, at this point in your—basically your theological journey, you start out, you know, your whole entire relationship with Jesus Christ is inexorably tied to the second coming. Yes. And so you're on this great theological journey. And I read this part in your book. I thought this was fascinating. You go to all these different churches to like see what all these different kinds of denominations are. You went to the Greek Orthodox Church for a while, the Catholic Church, went to stay in the monastery. So where were you at theologically? Like what denomination was this internship at? And was was that playing a part in what you chose for your internship, where you were at theologically and how you were feeling about what denomination you want to be a part of? Like, it seems like it was kind of scrambled eggs. It was. Uh, so the tribe of Dan that I was working with, I knew I knew from talking to people that it was different. So I knew that if I was going to take on any sort of role in a local church, it was going to have to be a church that was maybe uh, theologically moderate, you know, not so much, not really big into theology. And the church that I was working for at the time, it was a non-denominational, um, easy believism. And I know some people don't like that phrase. It sounds mean. Uh, but it was one of those type of churches, much more focused on the community, much more focused on, um, you know, again, doing some great, amazing things. But theology-wise, they weren't really, they were okay. divided. The pastors that served there were divided theologically, which I didn't understand at this point mm-hmm. how divided, you know, theology truly was. So I began serving there. And then obviously the pan-tribulationist thing came up and I remember the pastor said something to me. He said, the church is like Baskin Robbins. He said, so you have to kind of pick your flavor. And he said, it sounds like you're going into a flavor that we're not, you know, this isn't that end times idea, theology, you know, pound your Bible type of church. They're vanilla, you're Rocky Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I was thinking more like licorice. To say. Yeah. More like a licorice <laughs> flavor. Right. There's a Baptist church down the road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically the idea, you know, that there's just, you know, we could— um I could find myself somewhere else. So um, the pastor was very good on helping me uh, 
you know, maybe you need to find your identity. You need to find your calling. They had me taking all these different spiritual aptitude tests and different things. Um, so I ended up, uh, and by the way, I mentioned I was meeting with different pastors at the time. So I was serving in this congregation, but I was also meeting with other churches. So I was known around the area. Then you know, I was also an evangelist. I would go, you know, do surveys at the local bus stop and things like that. So people knew me in the area and I knew different churches. So when I had this issue with my pastor about the pan-tribulationist thing, there was another local pastor who was Assemblies of God, pre-trib, who knew me and he liked that I studied. His thing was, well, we can we can take this kid and just tell him to relax with the post-trib stuff and uh, we can use him. So they brought me in and they would let me lead Bible study. I would you know, share my testimony. I would lead our Thursday night youth group things. And um, they let me intern there because again, I needed this internship to continue my schooling. So... I started serving at the Assemblies of God, and um, I'm still meeting with different pastors, and um, I ended up in the midst of that, just to kind of fast forward into the preterist uh, conversation there, I uh, met with a pastor. The first pastor I met with was a Southern Baptist pastor who I told him, and I'll never forget this, and I shared this with you, um, Rick, that I, uh, I met with him and I told him, I, he sat so patiently, this man. And just listen to me, this young know-it-all, you know, and uh, just listen to me kind of go. And he said, uh, what would you say to a preterist? I was like, who? A preterist? And he said, yeah, somebody that believes it already all happened in the past. And he probably said something about AD 70 in the temple, but it just you know, went right over my head. And I was like, well, why would I even bother? Why would I bother explaining any of this to somebody that believes some crazy thing like it all happened in the past or something that you're teaching? So... I wasn't, I didn't even hear what he had to say. Continued on my journey, asking people. And again, something that was very important for me was as I'm doing this, I'm realizing people do not have an answer. When I'm saying, what are you doing to prepare for the times that are ahead? The mark of the beast is going to be offered. What are you doing? And I would hear, you know, some of the most unloving things like, well, we're all going to be raptured out of here. Mm. I was like, well, yeah. Okay. That's okay. According to your view, but there's going to be people here. Yeah, what about the others? Yeah, what about mm-hmm. those You're people? worried about yourself and fine, you got yourself out, but are you preparing for, are you thinking about the other human beings that, that are going to be left behind? Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to do something for them too or just no? Now, hopefully somebody will do something. Yeah, uh, hopefully. That was kind of the idea. That's right, yeah. I get it, yeah. I know, mm-hmm. I, I experienced that myself. So, and then obviously you'd meet people that were maybe post-trib or amillennial and they really didn't know what to say. They were just well, we'll trust God and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I was like, well, there has to be a way that we could prepare now. And, and that was kind of my idea. At that time, I realized how confused theology really was. Where, And again, you know, talk about feeding the ego of a kid that thinks he knows it all. Mm. I'm meeting with these people and they have no answers. Yeah. So, and not people, I'm meeting with pastors. I'm meeting with, you know, the leaders of the churches. And I'm just, I'm baffled at this. So, then I ended up, uh, I was at the mall one day and I always had a Christian book. You know, I think it's a great way to do evangelism, carry around a book. You know, somebody's going to ask you eventually. And this, I went to Chick-fil-A to get my sandwich and the manager there said to me, what are you reading? And I began, I said, it's some book about Christian relationships or something. And he said, uh, I'm a pastor of a church. Would you be willing, you want to grab a coffee? And I was like, this is, I mean, yeah, that's my thing. I literally meet with pastors to ask them. So um, we go to Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's will forever hold a place in my heart because of this meeting. And uh, Not so I, it has your name in it. You know, I did mention the ego at this point. So I mean, okay. that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, didn't notice. Didn't say it was going there for the food. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up meeting with. Uh, at this time, it was Pastor Alan Bondar, and uh, he 
listen to my spiel, my whole, you know, what are we doing to uh, get ready for the times? And he was the only person that sat there with a smile while I was talking through this conversation. I remember looking back, nobody really had a smile, except for maybe the pastor that mentioned, what would you say to a preterist? But he never really gave me any anything to go on. Right. Alan, he said, well, what if I told you it all happened in the past? Now, you would imagine, I was like, oh, it's time to go. Yeah. 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 What are we doing? Oh, like, this guy over here. This is one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys. You're, you're legally have to talk like that in a Jersey Mike's. Yeah. <laughs> he is from Long Island, so he would say, this guy over here. Is that what I said? He's one of them. Um, so, he's one of them. Yeah, he's a, he's a preterist. And uh, so then I, you would imagine- and I didn't get up and leave, which I'm glad I didn't. And I said, well, how does, how does that work? What do you mean it all happened in the past? You know, it was just a paradigm shift to borrow that phrase. That's literally what it was. Right. And I was like, I have so many questions. And he said, well, he started it out. He said, what do you believe happens when you die? And at that point, I began to talk about soul sleep, which was my view at the time. You know, First Thessalonians 4, hello, you know, we all... Uh, we go to the grave and we're going we're gonna to sleep there until the Lord comes and he's going to raise us up. And he said, uh, is that the way you believe the people that that letter was written to would have read that? Does it have any relevance for the people then in Thessalonica in the first century? And I'll never forget. I just, why didn't I ever think that? Why didn't I ever think about what it meant to the original people? Right. When that, when that moment happens, your brain explodes, doesn't it? Yeah. You're just like, Oh, it wasn't written to me. We're so selfish. <laughs> it's like reading this, somebody else's you mean mail. Somebody are else you? wrote something to somebody else, and it yeah. wasn't for me. <laughs> Which really? confuses me. Also, what shocks me is you were also in theology school at the same time, mm -hmm. right? You were in theology school, and I've met with a lot of pastors. Yeah, and 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 that's another thing that's fascinating to me is that even when you're talking about the institutions that are responsible for training and teaching the people that are responsible for training and teaching us, no one actually asks. Or, you know, no, no one presents that to you at that time. No. Yeah. And I believe- that there's historical relevance that needs yeah, to be considered. It's important. Yeah. Just a little bit. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, bit. again, there were some, like that one pastor that mentioned the preterist view, uh, that he didn't explain anything. But I imagine if he, if I would have, he knew that he was speaking to a kid that wasn't really open to it. I, I you know, I had my idea. We need to get ready. I'm a watchman on the wall. Hello. Yeah. I'm the tribe of Dan. And if you ever read Genesis 49, it talks about uh, Dan will be a, a serpent in the path that will bite the horse's hoof and make the rider fall backward. And you start thinking about Bible prophecy, horses, revelation, Satan. Mm -hmm. I'm, the, I'm the man. I'm going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to get Satan to fall back from the church. So, and make sure that, yeah, and as you told me that we are supposed to be, uh, as far as serpents and doves, that verse, remember you said that to me, that right. we were supposed to be wise. Wise as serpents. As serpents. And so that's why the tribe of Dan in their mind. Yeah, that's it. You see where it was all, yeah, it was yeah. building up this identity and this ego. And I know that this pastor uh, at the time, that not the full preterist pastor, but the pastor that mentioned uh, preterism, I know that if I would have let him talk, he probably, if I would have had any, if he would have seen some openness in me, he probably would have let in on audience relevance and things like that. But because I am a full preterist, I know I haven't mentioned that on this podcast yet, but um I know that there are others outside of full preterism that do give high regard for audience relevancy. And mm -hmm. I think that's fair to say, yeah. um, you know, so I do think this pastor would have mentioned that at that time. So that was my journey uh, to begin to hear about preterism. And obviously the, the next step was Google. Mm -hmm. I mean, hello, what does Google say about this? Heresy. 
Mm-hmm. This is the Hymenaean heresy. This is what P- Timothy was being warned about. Yeah. And I started to kind of pepper Alan with a bunch of, you know, emails. I would, you know, well, what would you say about this? How would you? And I wasn't asking from a place of what would you say? I was kind of trying to corner him. Yeah. Mm. You know? Let me prove you wrong. Yeah. Let me show you why this doesn't make any sense. And Alan graciously responded to every question. I actually, in my book, Freaked Out by the New Covenant, I include the emails back and forth uh, with him and finally found myself at a point where it was, I mean, how many more questions am I going to ask that he's going to have a response to? And I said, I'm a preterist. Mm -hmm. And I went and I told my pastor that I was interning for at the Assemblies of God, I'm a preterist. And he said, Mike, we're not going to do this. Now, <laughs> just straight out of the gate. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And uh, I have to back up on that and just mention a couple of uh, one quick thing here. This pastor had so graciously dealt with me. You all have known me for just this limited bit of time. You can imagine I have a lot going on. I'm always in a couple different directions. I was going to sell everything I had and move into the woods. And he talked, that pastor talked me out of it at that time. He was like, Mike, Mike, nobody's going to listen to you if you live in the woods and you stink. You yeah. know, they're going to think you're crazy. You're going to go even crazier than you already are. <laughs> you're going to wear like but, a camel jacket and eat bugs yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, John the Baptist, that's right. exactly. Yeah. Um, Baptizing people in whatever you find in the woods. Yeah. I don't even want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> he was very gracious with me, this pastor, to help me kind of be discipled. So, you know, he knew he was dealing with a young kid that kind of thought he knew it all. So, I respect him looking back that he he dealt with so many different issues with me that it was like, oh God, how am I going to do this? And I was like, can we just go through Matthew chapter 24? And he said, no. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to take it to the internet. <laughs> and I went home and I made a YouTube video quoting my pastor and doing all that with my friends and a couple others in my uh, fellowship. And um, you would imagine he said, okay, well, you're going to lose your internship. And uh, I just kept making YouTube videos. And then obviously they said, well, but you know, the opportunity, you either have to delete the YouTube videos or you'll forfeit your, pat- your, uh, your internship here. And, uh, and all you were doing was just studying Matthew 24? Well, I was teaching on YouTube and citing my pastor's name. And oh. you know, it probably wasn't the right, the right thing to do. No, yeah. And, or loving or careful. You know, there is a part yeah. of, we were talking about that tonight where when you present truth to people, you know, we have to respect that there's times where people aren't going to be open to certain truths. We have to respect that. And then we also have to, you know, make sure that the things we're saying are clear. And I know this pastor was thinking, this kid, he already thinks he knows it all. He's running around, telling all people all kinds of stuff. They already disagreed with me about pre-post-trib. Preterism is a whole other animal. Yeah. yeah so then I ended up losing the uh, internship there. And I say all of that because imagine what this is doing to me as a person. It's kind of building up this know-it-all mentality. Nobody's, you know, I, I needed somebody, to be quite honest, I look back now, hindsight bias, I needed somebody to rebuke me and say, relax for a minute. Yeah. Relax. You know, you might be right. Nobody was going to tell me that, but I needed that. And that was kind of the beginning of my preterist journey. Uh, was, mm-hmm. And I appreciate what you mentioned, how, mm. um, you know, the end times was a part of my journey from the very beginning. It's not like I was a Christian and then I started to study the end times and I ended up in this preterist you know, view. And now I'm arguing with people on Facebook. This was my whole, if the end times aren't in our future and I'm not a part of the tribe of Dan, which I was led to Christ through believing, the whole thing starts to lose its feet. Right. And that's why the end times, even to this day, continues to be something that is a focal point for me, all the while knowing that discipleship is the root of of the Christian message. Sure. 
So whenever you have, like what you just said kind of resounds well with me about you needed to be rebuked. And a lot of, you know, do you think that you would have received a rebuke? If it had been done in a loving well, way, Well, he perhaps? had told you not to, but he didn't accept that. Right. He, he told said, him we're to not going to do down. this. Mm-hmm. He well, didn't it, accept that rebuke either. That was a sort of a gentle way of rebuking him. Hey, we're giving you these opportunities to redeem yourself, keep your internship. Yeah, we'll keep you, you here. You just got to quit gotta, saying that out loud. And then when you get done here, then go do what you want. But wasn't it, was it based on... Was it based on like what you're teaching is something that's against what they're teaching at Gordon Conwell, obviously, right? And so that's the problem. Well, the church so has no affiliation with the school at this point. Okay. As, as long as I have an internship, it was very loose with that. They didn't really care okay. where the internship was. So it really wasn't threatening the my school. Church of Satan. <laughs> he was just like keeping keeping him out your mouth, really. I, I yeah. It sounds to me like you were being the way I I uh I am envisioning your description to come out that maybe he felt it was a little personal, not necessarily even what you were saying, but also that it involved, it wasn't just you preaching what you believed. It was you preaching what you believed directly in opposition to right. that place and him. And and even if he could have just overlooked the preterism, maybe the other thing was a little too difficult to get past. But even yeah. then- I've he- known everything. Trust me. I kind of, I, I feel it. <laughs> Tiziana, you stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just, the reason I ask you the question is because, okay, so fine, there was a rebuke, but there's still that, you've got this information that you know that you're trying to get out. You you have the ego and the things that are there. So in order to rebuke someone that's in the position that you're in, there is a different way to approach you. And that's what we have to learn because rebuking is part of who we are. I need to be rebuked. It has to happen. But there are ways that you can approach. And so we have to learn. We learn one another and how we can speak to one another. And I've found that if you come at somebody with an understanding and like, man, like I would look at you and say, look where you've come like, this is an amazing kid. Like, this is something else. I'm really, I'm enjoying watching your fire, man. Like, I am. But can I can I talk to you about a couple of things about the way that we talk to one another? Maybe, you know, maybe you wouldn't have listened. Maybe you'd have just been like, you know, balls to the wall. This is just the way it's going to be. And this is how it all works out. We all believe in God's sovereignty here. But whatever it might be, you are who you were. That wild donkey of a man, right? Mm-hmm. You were going to do it. But there are moments in time Whenever Christians have to talk to other Christians and say, okay, you need to stop for just a minute. You need to relax, you know, and we're hearing these words right now, screaming heretic. We're in the midst of, we're embroiled in it, you know, which now I'm just, I feel like, oh, well, we're supposed to be because we're going to try to teach you guys how to do it right. But we're not going to do it in an ugly way. We're going to do it. We're going to hug you while we do it. I might bear hug you really hard until you, you know. (laughs) <laughs> well, what you're talking about is you can't match ego with ego. Right. That, you, you're only going to get, the barn's going to burn down faster if you bring f- fire to a flame. Right. You know, so th- there's this whole idea that, you know, when it comes to conversations of theology and doctrine and dogma, that I have to be, I have to have the Popeye arm, you know? And so I have to, there's a, there's a toxic masculinity that gets involved. Sorry. <laughs> There is such a thing as toxic femininity. We'll get into that later. There absolutely is. But when it comes to the Christian church and when it comes to how it's historically been tied to masculinity, there becomes this like like fight for 
for power inside the ring instead of like what you're saying, Rick, just, you know, edifying and lifting up one another and pointing out the parts of a of someone we disagree with that you agree with that you think are beautiful and loving and and then maybe from there saying hey would you mind having this conversation like there's a different way to do it yeah I, I don't care where you come from it isn't that is an incredibly difficult conversation to have mm-hmm. and there's very few good ways it's God, you have to be so careful where you're like, you have this like closely held worldview that I absolutely know is wrong. Like, but, oh boy, how do you say, that's so hard. Let me give you, I want to give you an example. To we, approach someone like that. Believers <laughs> have something, believers have something that they all agree on and it's the word of God. Okay, like we all look at the Bible. We might disagree on specific points about it, but we can all speak through the word mm. to each other. So when you are, you know, yeah, we learn that we need to rebuke someone, but also we have to lift one another up. Like you were just, that comes from the word. Like that, it talks about edification of the church. So I don't know if you remember during the round table, which released today, by the way, um, there was a moment when everything got kind of hairy and wild and we were, you know, and I was trying to remind everybody that earlier in the day that the thief was railing at Jesus earlier in the day. So what changed in the thief's life by the time he was walking through the streets to when he got put on the cross and was looking at somebody that was nothing more than just a criminal as he was? Remember, Jesus was being crucified as a criminal. And so here's three criminals. But by the end of the day, he saw somebody different. Suddenly he saw this man with the crown of thorns as a king. And so that, to me, like when we talk to one another, sometimes we have to kind of go in a roundabout way. We don't have to just quote the scripture. Sometimes it's the nuances of what we've learned from the scripture that can actually reach somebody. We have to remember, if you are a premillennial dispensationalist or you are a full preterist, we both have a king. Mm. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. Now it's about when he does or whatever, but he's still a king. And we are his subjects. Correct? Mm-hmm. He's made us co-heirs. We all agree with that. Mm-hmm. When, whenever we become co-heirs, yeah, we can get into that. I think it's there, there's always a time for that. We've got to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's scriptural. We know that, and Christians can say that to one another. But we have to remember the nuances that we all have a king, and without him, we have no salvation. Amen. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I'm so right. Well, Man, I'm so right. <laughs> and, and that and doesn't too. And, and I was going to say, where's the Academy Award? Yeah. Like, I just yeah, like, wow. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> so, so are you saying, Rick, like my, my, my words that I've used, like, who cares? We're well, all going to heaven, right? No, not all. Well, no. Everyone but, that accepts Jesus in their heart, yeah, absolutely. whether they're right yeah. or wrong about what they interpret the Bible so to saying, be is. So by saying who cares— You know, you know I, what I'm saying. As long I, I'm as, not being like, oh, just who cares about preterists or, or this or that or that. About but you, whether you, you get it right you, or wrong, Yes, mean? exactly. So I'm not going to go in there Christmas Eve day and tell my great or my grandmother at 85 years old that thinks Jesus is coming back. Yeah. That he's not. Yeah. Because guess what? My granny Doris is going to, to be with— Understood. Papal, no matter yeah. what. You know, well, so it's scriptural too that there is a time and a season for all things. Yeah. So I think you're right. Your granny probably taught you more about Jesus than you're ever going to teach her. Yes, absolutely. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So now yeah. you're going to teach now if there if the moment ever comes, maybe you never know what's going to happen. She might look at you and say, you know, I always wondered if he was ever going to come. But yeah. if she yeah. ever shows that moment, then you'd be like, Well, I was wondering. 
you remember he talked about the temple. You could. Do you really yeah. want to broach the topic with your 85 year old grandma? No. No. I, I, you know what I gave her for Christmas? With her. A pack of Paul Malls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I gave <laughs> right. her. You yeah. know, and, and yeah. I mean, I mean, I love my granny Dars. You yeah. Know? So hanging and, with Bender. And as far as, yeah. <laughs> Did you say Bender? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a Breakfast Club reference. So whenever, whenever you feel that, I, I think it's, and, and I don't want to derail, you know, your testimony. Mike, but as far as saying, so who cares? You could do that with everything in the Bible. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So you could you could honestly say, well, who cares that God created the world? Well, God thought it was worthy enough to give it to someone to write it about himself, and so he did it. And down through the ages, somehow we get the canon of Scripture, and now we have it, and it you know we attest to it with our spirit. So, you know, theoretically, we could say, who cares? about everything. But I think that when it becomes a problem between us, that's when the who cares needs to pop up. You know, like yeah. when you start yelling and screaming at each other and no one's no one's getting built up. It's all getting torn down. Yeah. Who cares at that point? Yeah. yeah. But if it's like, like if we're when in you're a, popping chest and look at me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I it's mean, like, really? Because it becomes anyway. about ego. It doesn't come about yeah. Yeah. fellowship anymore. So anyway. So back to you, Mike. Well, if I might share a quote in the midst of that conversation, I read this quote earlier today by Mark Horton um, that kind of leans in on that. It says this, if a Christian makes erroneous arguments from scripture on a matter that unbelievers know perfectly well, we should not expect them to believe the scriptures on the more important matters of sin and salvation. Ah. So you see where it does become important because you have here you have people saying, you know, we talk about science in the church. We talk about the end times in the church. We talk about all these things where there's people outside the church that know that doesn't make good nonsense. So we do have to shape up in some regards. We are called to study to show ourselves approved, right. you know? So there is a part, part where it does matter because it has to do with our witness to the world. And obviously I know you've interviewed Gary DeMar on here and he talks a lot about with the end times and eschatology, particularly where that attitude of, you know, we're going to go to the pie in the sky, you know, uh, that whole attitude, it's all about just going to heaven and forsaking this ugly, despicable planet that God has created, um, That that's detrimental to the Christian attitude and what the kingdom of God that we're manifesting. So, you know, and again, in the midst of all that, there's a lot of grace. There should be a lot of grace. This is the Christian message. You know, this is the gospel. So, there needs to be room for that you know, so I'm just saying, I think that it is important to be very clear on what we're saying and what is right, what's wrong, and to be an intelligent people. If I might say one other thing I wanted to highlight that you talked about there with uh, thinking about what you said, would I have received the rebuke? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I believe the Christian experience, we should all be endeavoring toward becoming more gracious and gentle people. If we're, if as Christians, we're not becoming more gentle and gracious in our experience, we probably need to do a little bit more self-examination to see if we're in the faith. So I say that because now, only in hindsight bias, can I say most of the things I'm saying on here the way I am. Yeah. Uh, that you know I can talk about my experiences and realize, wow, I should have shown more grace in that situation. I needed to look at it from that pastor's experience of what he was dealing with. Mike, you're a know-it-all. You need to die to yourself so that Christ might increase. These are things that <laughs> yeah. I have to constantly remind myself of. Right. So I say that because I don't know that I would have received the rebuke then, but I, I'm glad to say that if it was told to me today, um, it will, in, in many regards, I will receive the rebuke, and I'm sure in other areas I won't. Can you, can, when you think about just how we act to one another, you know, and when you see somebody that starts to mature 
in the faith, you know, and you've seen them as like this, they're radical in the beginning, you know, they're, we, we say they're on fire for God and then, then things start to wane and you think, oh, they're losing it. But then they're actually just like gaining more grace. Like you can see it in uh, Keith Green's life. Have you ever heard oh, of Keith Green? Get He's out. my favorite. He's my, I read his book, Powerhouse in the sixth grade. Wow. So no compromise is one of my favorite books. And Keith Green, if you watch his ministry, that dude is absolutely ripping the church a new one. Asleep in the light. Where are you at? Let's get out here. We got to work. You know, what's the name of his ministries? Last Days Ministries. He was wild and on fire. Of course, he dies in 1982 in a plane crash. Horrible. Very sad. But right before he dies, he has this grace that he's learned. You can see he's learned a tremendous amount about grace. He's taken on all these people, like homeless people. He's he's living the kingdom life is what he's done. And 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 I watched that happen. And I and as you we're able to look at back at his life and, and watch that unfold. And I always wonder, what is the Lord watching with us? And we know where he's at and what where the level that that Christ, let's just be real, he brings us and elevates us to his level and makes us a co-heir. I mean, what? Talk you about know? the divine comedy. Uh yeah. I mean, for, especially for me, I mean, I have mucked about for a long time, you know, but that's where I feel the grace and the love is from that, is that I can look, like, look, think about you, Tiziana, you got these little kids and you're going to, you're going to watch, you're going to raise them and you're going to watch them and they go, no mom. And they're going to have all these things. And even in the midst of that, you're going to love them. You're just going to keep loving them. You're going to smack them in the mouth. I actually learn more about grace. Yeah. Having children than just about any other time. And there have been times when I was, I've been like, you know what? I should probably rip you a new one because you did blah, blah, yada, so-and-so. But the Lord should have done the same thing to me. I'm going to show you grace and I'm going to show you mercy. And we're going to, you go to your room for a time and we're going to have time to talk about it. So you will learn about that grace and that mercy through that. But, you know. It's kind of like a purgatory. I think, (laughs) I think. When we it's talk about, about the 12th year. <laughs> Jesus being the truth, um, I am not a preterist. I think we had this discussion already. Um, being part of this group has made me study more, made me want to learn more. I am studying. I feel firmly where I am. But for you to sit here and tell me that I'm an error and that affects my walk my witness to others, I take a little bit of offense at that because twice, once or twice a week, I sit in a room with young ladies who are facing crisis pregnancies, and I share with them the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ every day. I did it yesterday twice. We didn't talk about the end times. I may never see them again. My eschatology did not enter that room, but my Jesus did. My truth with Jesus did. Not not my truth, the truth entered that room. And so I think we have to be very careful in the way we speak to one another who may have different eschatological views, that we must speak to one another in kindness, because I would never say you're a heretic. And I know that there are people who do. I think that's wrong. And I had a pastor say that to me recently. I said, I think you're wrong, pastor. I don't think they're heretics. They have, we all have the same God is sovereign. 
but we have to be careful how we speak to one another in the way that we can come off cocksure. My way is right, and I'm a pre-trib, and I'm a post-trib, and I'm an amillennial, which I'm just learning what that is. We talked about how people speak to one another online. I think we had this discussion earlier. And we just have to be super careful because that witness comes across much more than if I'm going along and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, him died, buried, and resurrected. So I think we just have to be careful when we call each other as an error or as an, because basically that's saying I believe in an untruth. I think it depends on the situation though, because I, I hear what you're saying and, and, and I agree with it a lot, but I disagree with a little bit of it in that if he's on his podcast and he, you know, his podcast is about this and he's saying that you're wrong. Well, you came to his podcast and that's his opinion. You oh, have the right sure. not to listen to that. And the same thing if he comes on, especially if you've heard some of the things that he said, and this is for anyone, this isn't just for, for Mike sitting here. This, if, 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 because I because I hear people doing this all the time. They listen to somebody's podcast, and then all they do is say bad things. Well, then just don't listen to his podcast. Don't right. just listen to his podcast so you can say something bad to him. So if you're going to be on their podcast or if you're going to be a part of a group of people discussing something, you know what this guy is all about, listen to what he has to I, say. I think the difference you guys are speaking to is uh, – like a megaphone versus an interpersonal conversation. Right. Yeah. So if you're right. if, if you're right. if because we're out you of have this to situation, approach those things differently. You really do. If we're not here in this room talking to Mike about his salvation and the way he believes, or we're not on his podcast and he's talking to us about his podcast, but we're you know uh, somewhere we met on the street and we're having a conversation. I I absolutely agree with you, hundred percent. In that situation, in all of those situations, then we really got to be careful how we approach people because I don't think there's any two people on the planet that believe that believe exactly the same. Yeah, Correct. exactly. Yeah, and I think you can turn somebody off by just one word said either the wrong word or said the wrong way could turn some and what if you turn that person off from religion and now they walked away from it cuz i think about i'm not worried about going to heaven and the lord saying like who would you bring to christ i'm looking i'm worried about having the conversation look at all the people that you pushed away by your talks and your deeds you know and i mentioned before that i believe part of our journey should be to become more gentle and gracious people and if i might continue on something. I think this sure adds to the story here. So I mentioned I was in school doing all this internship and hopefully you notice at this point, my testimony has a lot of aggressive posture to it. I am a former gang member that is going to be, a, <laughs> yeah. a, you know, part of I it. I am a little afraid of you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never. She's um, not. She's don't got a meet gun. me in the parking lot. She's got a gun, bro. I was there for that conversation. Uh, <laughs> um, so I ended up, I, I, uh, somehow I was automatically catapulted into doing debates. I, I look back and I'm like, how did I go from, I was, you know, meeting with pastors and so forth uh, to all of a sudden, January 5th, 2013, I'm debating Sam Frost, the former full preterist. And he's going to fly down to Fort Myers, Florida. And he's going to, uh, I don't know if he drove or flew, but either way, he's going to come down to Fort Myers, Florida and debate me. I look back sometimes and I'm like, how did that happen? so fast. And I think a lot of it was because of Facebook and me posting stuff online and going through my own journey. Um, you know, I would surely agree that we need to be more gracious with each other and gracious to each other in, in this journey of Christianity. Um, so I, I say that because I automatically was somehow catapulted to doing debates and nobody, you don't show up to the debate saying, I'm going to be really gracious when I get up there. <laughs> Definitely uh, not a debate. That's not the place yeah, no. for it. No. Well, it's, it's again, it's a, 
it, it's an entertainment forum, and it's a megaphone, and yeah. it's a megaphone, mm-hmm. right? Right. You go. You can go on a podcast and say this is what's but right. But you can watch a Don Preston in the eye. Watch a Don Preston. He is a consummate professional and a gentleman. Amen. Always. Some people can really yep. pull it off. And but he also has the information to back it up. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Didn't mean yeah. like he's he's ready. And if you know how sometimes if you don't have enough information, sometimes you'll just lash out or you'll try to find another way to win. I think he's able to be a gentleman because he's so rock solid in a lot of the things. Don and Gary both have so much knowledge. I'm, I'm listening to them, and I'm like, okay, I know nothing. So I'm going to <laughs> shut up, nothing. and I'm not going to ask a question because I don't want him to know that I'm more stupid than he really thinks I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to you, Mike. Sorry to interrupt you again. Well, well no, and I agree with uh, you know Don Preston, great teacher, and, and that's what I was doing. I was learning from these men. So I'm, I'm listening, I'm learning, and I'm realizing I do have some truth here. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing these debates. I s- somehow get catapulted doing the debates. And the reason why I say that is because, remember I kept saying about this know-it-all kid? Yeah. yeah. So now you put me in debates. And I'm not a kid at this point. I'm 20-something, you know, 28 years, 27 years old. Um, but I'm still... I still have some growth. I still, you know, here I am, 38. I still have plenty of growth and, and still graciousness. And still a know-it-all. I'm telling you, <laughs> repenting right now. Um, so... I, I get catapulted into doing debates and um, I, I debated Sam and then I was invited to do a debate uh, in New York where I'm from. So I'm from Fort Myers and um, I'm, by the way, I was able to finish my my work with Gordon Conwell. Um, and then at this point now I'm going to fly up to New York and I'm going to participate in a round table. And I come up to New York and I don't know if they told these other pastors they were going to be on a round table about eschatology. That's how at least it seemed when I got there. I was like, so you guys don't really know What's going on? Nobody, I mean, the one woman had her chart, you know, it was all over the place, arrows every direction. Um, but other than that, one pastor during the debate, and this is on YouTube, uh, he basically said he didn't prepare. And I was like, what happened? Why, why am I here? You know, and I realized again, it just further solidified this. People are confused. And uh, in the midst of that, I was actually, I met a group of people at that con- at that conference uh, where I did that debate, and uh, they said, would you be interested to come back to New York and pastor our church? Mm-hmm. No, I live in Florida. Why would I go back to New York from Florida? Hello, you know, everybody moves from New York to Florida, warm weather, et cetera. That will um, actually, people that move from Florida uh, to here, and they call mm-hmm. them halfbacks. Half-backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, halfbacks. I've never heard that. Yeah. yeah. Florida's yeah, too darn hot. Back to Florida. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that they makes sense. Halfbacks, yep. Okay, so I didn't get that move. Florida. So you'll be, you'll be here soon. Yeah, you'll be here. Yeah, I'm here. Twenty years. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> no, we had this debate on on social media. He likes New York people. He's not moving. Yeah, he's That's right. Not. <laughs> yeah, it might be more than just the weather. Um, so I ended up uh, through a little bit of a journey there. Uh, decided, you know what? I will go up there and I will talk with this church and and see if this is the right fit. You know, if this makes any sense. These people are nuts. You know, they're going to call me to be their pastor. So I, I came up to New York and they were some of the most diligent people I've ever, and diligent Christians I've ever met in my life. Some of the most gracious Christians I've ever met. And again, you've heard my journey at this point. You, you know, I was like, wow, these people do exist. These, these people are, they're knowledgeable. They want to learn. They're gracious. They're going to take this guy to be their pastor. And I said, that if, if they'll vote me in, it was a vote. I said, if they'll vote me in, I'll take that as a call of God. No doubt about it. And uh, and I believe I have to brag on the, on Blue Point Bible Church because if you look into the the ancient church, what they would do is they would take young men, young know it alls, and they would 
form a community around them. Yeah. And that helps them grow. And I get to tell you the person I am today, not so aggressive, not debating, not meeting with the local pastor to try to argue with them about eschatology, is due to the growth and the graciousness that was provided by the Blue Point Bible Church. Mm-hmm. I say all the time that my congregation discipled me. Right. They, and you see that in church history. That's what they would do. They would take the young man, the young know-it-all, and, and help form him. Let, him. let him speak, let him educate himself, let him study to show himself approved and teach a congregation and be blessed by the insights of the people around him. And it, it built me up. So uh, I went through that whole journey. And then, of course, uh, in my life today, if I might just mention where I'm at in my journey, yeah. um, I'm recently married, you know, married in July. I, uh, my wife is pregnant. And oh, I have, congratulations. Thank you very much. And uh, I have uh, a five-year-old stepson. And I say that because all of that, the congregation, the wife, children, you want to talk about learning to be gracious and realize I don't know it all. God has yeah. been faithful yeah. uh, to help teach me these things. So that's where I'm at in my life he, right he won't now. Give, he won't give you what you can't handle, but he'll, he'll certainly fill your plate. That's right. Amen. And, and I agree with you about, uh, about pastors because every church I've ever been to, because I've been known to be a know-it-all and the pain in the rear and hard to get along with. I just asked my wife. In fact, my pastor told my wife, you really don't know what you're getting into. And let me sit down and let me tell you. And he was serious. And uh, uh, all of the pastors put up with me. In fact, especially my last pastor, you know, I, 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 I say a lot of things about Baptists and about pastors at Baptists that they're, you know, they're set in their ways and they're this and they're that. But my last pastor spent 10 years putting up with me. Uh, and and I think that I brought something to the church, but I, you know he had to put up with me because I'm a different person and I ask questions. I'm always pushing limits. I'm always asking questions. I'm always that guy that's like, oh, here he comes again. Oh my gosh, there's, there goes twenty minutes of my time. Uh, but he put up with me that whole time. It and absolutely helped me become a better man, a better Christian, a better lot of things. Amen. It's beautiful. Yeah, you can see that in the Gospels. Like sometimes when Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he's like, how long? How long do I have to be with this generation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's something else interesting about all that too, just listening to you talk about your experience with, with, with Blue Point, Blue Point Bible Church, and, and how at the beginning, when you were locked up, you were searching for something more and you just wanted family. You just wanted connection. Oh, that's and, a great And now here you insight. are with this beautiful wife and this baby on the way and this congregation that has surrounded you like family. And it's just a beautiful, that's a beautiful part of your testimony that I I hope doesn't get lost in the conversation around theology. The loving heart of God to clearly see and answer the cry of your heart mm-hmm. so that your salvation wasn't just wrapped up in and around your position in it and in, in your eschatological theologies. You know, it was wrapped in and around the heart of a man that needed love and yeah. wanted family, and Jesus has just provided that. That's right, amen. That's really well beautiful. Thank you for I love that. that. And I think all of the mm. people out here listening need to take that to heart because you all have pastors, uh, whether it's a youth pastor that's new or this pastor or that pastor or someone at your church that is difficult in one way. Because we're all difficult in some ways. We'll and, call them and Ralphish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the, the Ralphism. Ralphish. That's right. Name it Ralphish today. Exactly. <laughs> you, you need you you need to get together as groups and instead of crucifying this person and going to the pastor and saying we need to get to it, we, you all need to get in there and love on this person and and help them see what it is that they're missing, because it takes a village 
in all aspects of our life, not just raising a kid at home, but raising the, you know, you get a new pastor at your church, you need to raise them up to uh, be a part of your community. And they, they just can't come in and say, we're going to do it all different. They got to come in and learn. But the only way we're going to do that is if you love them. So I have a question. Um, so you're back sort of home where you started. So do you have any trouble with the former gang? Because you still aren't out right? Because you don't really ever get out. So do you have any trouble with that gang or is everybody just kind of aged out and old and they don't care anymore or what? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, when I moved back, for the most part, most of uh, most of the people I hung around uh, are older and have matured or in prison for the rest of their lives or unfortunately are dead. Um, yeah, I think that's changed. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many gang members listen to your podcast, but I did put my foot in my mouth on another Seven. one a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to go too much <laughs> into that. Uh, however, I will say that, um, you know, I do encourage people. When I first became a Christian, I tried to, well, maybe I can reform my gang. Maybe I can, you know, see men walking as trees. I used that uh, mm, idea mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I'm going to try to help the good in in the gang world become good. Um I mentioned this on a podcast. Like I said, I mentioned this on a podcast. Uh, I would discourage that at this point in my experience, and I would say, um, if your younger people are involved in gangs, move away. You know, get away. Um, so yeah. So for my my story, most why of them do you, had why do you up. say get away? Um, would Christ have gotten away? You no, know, I don't think he would. And uh, I think if you know that's something that needs to be covered in prayer, needs to be thought about. Diligently, and again, as a man, as a grown man, maybe you can decide to stay. But if if you're a child, if you're young, uh, the best thing parents can do is move their child away, and not keep that influence. But I appreciate you marking out that yes, Jesus, that was my attitude. You know, I'm going to be the Jesus and the light in the midst of darkness. But they could not see you that way. They only saw you as Mike, the gang, gang guy, gang member. Yeah, or somebody that they wanted to bring back to their way of thinking. And no matter in any manner possible. Yeah, Mikey Bibles. Mikey Bibles. Yeah, they were saying Mikey Bibles. What, right. what does the Bible tell us to you? Like, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from this, right? Like, so if you're talking about children that are like 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, we have a responsibility to not, to be more aware of what they're, I mean, you know, Jesus can join a gang, that's fine, but a 12-year-old right. maybe. Maybe not, not so much. much yeah. The grown man yeah. can make that decision yeah. for himself and use discernment and decide. So that's again, more what you meant, right. what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Speaking more to youth, I think the best idea, because I have heard, if you know, there's a lot of parents in the gang culture that will say things like, well, if my child leaves the area, they're going to find him and kill him. Or they're going, mm. the, unfortunately, the, the hard truth is you just have to move. Mm-hmm. You have to just make that decision. Um, so. Well, I'm going to let Billy ask his question because I know Billy has to leave and, and get out. Um, which one? Both? Whichever one you want to ask. Well, buddy. I actually have three. Yeah. Um, what about your dad, if you don't mind me asking? Um, my dad was absent most of my younger okay. years. Um, we have a mediocre relationship at best. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And um, this this question, um, I, I haven't brought it up with a preterist view and um, – and actually, I didn't know there was this many opinions and speculations about this. I just always assumed everyone knew where he was at. So, in your opinion, or what you have studied, where's Satan at now? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> that's an interesting question. <laughs> I, um, I didn't know there were so many answers. And I, 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 yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, spot, Mike. But I believe the Satan you're reading about in the New Testament period 
the Satan that was going to be destroyed in the book of Revelation, that Satan is done away and destroyed. However, biblically, and this might be a different position, but adds to your repertoire of understandings you've heard, um, there's various adversaries throughout the Bible. So I believe that in the first century, there was an adversary, a Satan, the Satan, that was being destroyed. And that Satan has been destroyed. However, uh, we face adversaries today. We have trials today. Uh, even in the fulfilled understanding, Revelation chapter 22, there's still sin. There's still the effects of filthiness, of, of all the things you read about in Revelation chapter 22. Um, you know, those that are outside the gates. So I do believe that there is still adversarial realities in the kingdom of God. Uh, despite the fact that the the Satan, which the definite article again probably gets a bit technical, mm-hmm. oh, I did write a yeah. book uh, called Wicked that mm-hmm. leans in on that study, and uh, in that book I explain that there's various Satans mentioned through the Bible, and the New Testament is talking about a specific, the specific Satan that was being destroyed. Okay. And I left it open-ended in the book just as much as I'm leaving it open-ended. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's perfectly that's a, fine. I'm so. going to have to do a little research into that one. <laughs> You're going to get it's an email. Wicked. Yeah, yes, okay. Wicked. Well, yeah, we're going to get into that too. I'm going to make sure that he talks about his books and stuff. Yeah. Okay, and, and you touched on this one, and I ask everyone. Um, you touched about like what you used to believe when you died. So what do you believe now when you die, Mike? Uh, Revelation chapter 14 says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. So I believe that ever since the events of AD 70, the salvation of the saints uh, is secure. Now, I don't make it my business to determine who's a saint, um, but I believe that when we die, we go into whatever identity that is. Now, I don't believe in disembodied spirits. I know I've been accused of that. Um, I don't know. Okay. I know that it's great and it's blessed. Mm. Yeah, everyone has mm-hmm. an opinion. And I, I agree with you. And I, I think, was it Don had the best answer so far? He's like, we go to heaven. Would that surprise you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Don, Don, uh, Gary Damar. Uh, Gary Damar and Don had the same answer. Yeah. Like, yeah. where do you go when you die? And he's like, oh, I go to be yeah, in the Lord's no presence sleep, and I get a, and, I get a yeah, new body. There's no way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. cool. So, yeah, that was my questions. Yeah, does anybody else? I get a lump And of you coal. have a splendid voice to be a gang member, by the way. Yeah. Thank I you. Yeah, the it's, same it's, thing. yeah, it's very splendid. I yeah, very such a soft-spoken yeah, guy. I just can't I mean, see you being a gang yeah. member. Give me all your money. Yeah. Give me all so, your money, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they use that for good. recruitment techniques. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he was the recruiter. I, was, I thought about it exactly the other way. I was like, well, that was destined to change. <laughs> I'll buy Based on the voice. Amen. Yeah. If I might respond to what Cherry had said, um, my wife knows that I detest when people say, I can never picture you as a gang member. I'm like, well, I was a gang member when I was 13 to 22. 22. I'm 38. It's yeah. been quite some time since I've been <laughs> yes. a gang member. Yeah. Um, and hopefully I've been growing uh, in the midst of that. So I'm glad to, that I don't sound like a gang member. Yeah. Yeah. What? I, I wish I still, I wish people looked at me and could see my 22 year old self. <laughs> two, two kids wrecked that. <laughs> I mean, if someone, I wish someone could look at me and be like, you know what? I could see that 20. I'll be like, well, thank you. You know? What are you, 25? <laughs> it's go- oh, sir. Oh. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he precious? Yes. You know? <laughs> no, but my husband is. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 28. Sorry. He's 28. And thou shalt rob the cradle. <laughs> I know. Jeez. <laughs> so, um, Joke. Jokes. You know, Yet, I don't have any more jokes. I actually have one, but I'm not going to do it because you already did one. But I, so the books you were talking about, I know that you said that you're going to be working on getting some printed here pretty soon. Um, tell us about 
like name those books. Uh, if I, I know that they can get them on Kindle, I believe, right? There was one that we found on Kindle. I got, yeah, I wanted to be, a, I read uh, Freaked Out by the New Covenant before coming in. Well, I got rid of like, I'm at 40% according to my Kindle. Um, but Wicked is is next on the list. I'm really curious about that because it, it gets into one of my things, which is language. And when you're talking about you know, participles and present, you know, different languages and how different languages are constructed and how that works when you translate into English, blah, blah, blah. So I'm really looking forward to that, but I wanted to finish this one first. But it took me forever to find it on Kindle. Someone else had, you, Rick had to help me. Yeah. Cause, it's out there. Freaked Out is on Kindle. Freaked yeah. Out by the New Covenant. I'm not sure about the other. Um, which is Freaked it, Out for sure. Yeah, yeah Freaked Out, freaked out uh, which is my testimonial, Freaked Out by the New Covenant. You know, I start first chapter, you know, the exodus of a gangbanger, you know, to, or I think it was like, I forget the name of the chapter, but either way, um, it was my journey from that to ultimately becoming a preterist, mm -hmm. you know, new heavens and new earth. Um, and I have a couple other additums in the book. I actually included an article from the man that led me to Christ. Um, it was called embracing our, accessing the power of Christ, uh, embracing our vulnerabilities. Right. And, um, and then also the conversations, as I mentioned with Alan Bondar and, um, then Wicked is obviously, it's a Bible study book. So it, it's not really a book that's meant to be read. There's no page numbers. I let you know that now. Um, that wasn't intentional, but I like to try to make up reasons why I did that, but it never really <laughs> makes any good sense. I uh, just right. forgot to put page numbers when I self-published. Um, so Wicked is intended to be a, a Bible study book. So it brings you through angels, brings you through demons, brings you through Satan. Uh, and there are times where I just end open-ended, where it's, you know, i I'm glad to say that I'm working on myself to not be a know-it-all. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you know, what do you get? Let's welcome the mm. conversation. Um, namely, because I don't deny supernatural. I just don't know how to explain a lot of that. And I think that there's a convolution of spiritual and supernatural in a lot of people's minds. And um, I don't really know how to undo that. So that's why I leave a lot of those details open-ended. And then Clarity and Revelation was simply a study guide that we used to uh, – go through the book of Revelation at Blue Point Bible Church. It was a sermon series. And then I felt a lot of people asked me questions about it. I said, the best idea would be to just publish the study guide. Right. And uh, those are the three that are available. And I am working on some books this year. Yep. Now you also, um, tell us about where they can find you on YouTube. And also like you have some Facebook pages. Do you have a, do you have a website? Yeah, I have a couple different ministries. We have a, the Blue Point Bible Church is where I serve. It's my pastorate. Um, however, serving there has given me the opportunity to do other things in ministry. For example, um, the Power of Preterism Network, mm -hmm. uh, which again is endeavoring toward my journey, clarity. I gained clarity. I'm still in the process of healing, learning different things. You know, that's what I consider healing is undoing the know-it-all attitude, which is a continued process. I'm healing in regards to that worldview of it's all about going to heaven and finding an application for today and then strategizing on how we help other people understand this. So that was the goal behind the Power of Preterism Network, clarity, healing, and strategy. And um, you could go to powerofpreterism.com. Uh, we have a couple ministries through that. We do the Preterist Power Hour, which is on YouTube. That's a uh, bi-weekly, or not bi-weekly, two times a week podcast, uh, Monday and Friday. And uh, we bring on different speakers, interviews. We focus on topics. More recently, we've been falling back to Genesis since the fall. We're still there. And we're only in Genesis chapter two. Um, <laughs> so uh, Sounds like our podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it lets you know kind of how our, what our style is like. It's very conversational. And yeah. um, they let me get on my, my soapbox a bit. And then we kind of open up conversation. Uh, so that's the Preterist Power Hour. We have Team Preterist, which again is just an try to bring some camaraderie 
to the preterist community. Uh, years ago, I noticed that there were a lot of preterists that didn't really care to contribute to the conversation. And I wanted to kind of involve them. And I said, well, no, we're all part of the same team. And, and we believe in progressing preterism. And the idea was that we weren't going to allow all the differences because we all come from different frameworks. And, uh, you know, there's Church of Christ, there's Baptist, there's Pentecostal. And yet these folks are realizing the truth of preterism. So then it was, well, how do we incorporate, how do we come together? And uh, then we also have Reformation now, which another effort of unity is saying, well, even if you don't agree with preterism, that we can work together and say there's need for reform in the church. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, biblical literacy, et cetera, uh, learning how to be gracious with each other and get along. Sure. Uh, so those are a couple outworkings of the Power of Preterism Network uh, that have been going on for a couple of years. And then I also have a apologetics ministry, MGW, Miano yep. Gone Wild. Miano um, Gone Wild. Yeah, which was a moniker given to me years ago. You know, I, would, I told you I did open air preaching. Um, I didn't go into all the dressing like a prophet and carrying my cross through Fort Myers, Florida, but that was there. Right. So, uh, you know, I definitely earned the title of Miano's Gone Wild. Look at him. And uh, so then I ran with it and uh, we created a ministry out of that. And um, that's on YouTube as well, MGW Apologetics, uh, or I think it's under my name, Michael Miano. And on Facebook, Power Preterism Network, MGW. I'm I'm definitely a Facebook warrior, if yeah. to use that phrase. <laughs> I, I've he's, been, got, he's got a new page coming out called I'm Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's a good idea. It is a good idea. It'll be a bit Ralphish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I that's love the that. subtitle. <laughs> now, your wife, your wife. I'm right, Facebook. Rashonda? Yes. Rashonda has a page too, doesn't she? Uh, well, she has Facebook. A Facebook, but there was something, I saw something on our Burroughs page earlier. It almost looked like, uh, I can't remember. It, it was something. Um, our podcast? Is that what you're asking about? The podcast yeah, with me and my podcast. wife? Yes. So we have, uh, thank you for bringing that up. That's probably the best thing to talk about, my wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rashonda and I do a podcast. We try to do it every week. Uh, it's called The Pastor. Uh, You've Got Mail. Yeah. The Pastor and the Mail Lady. The Pastor and the Mail Lady. Yeah. yeah they, she did something like she liked or shared one of our posts earlier. And I was like, oh yeah, we got to talk about that podcast. Yes. Yeah, so that's very conversational. You know what? I think our society needs is stuff, as I mentioned earlier, I do believe that this is the healing of the nations. This, uh-huh. just yeah. talking, being willing to have conversation, offending at times, but then hopefully giving each other grace to, you know, he's offended a lot of people and we'll give him a break. But, uh, you know, again, and hopefully- <laughs> Jesus offended a lot of people. Yeah. That's, yeah, but he was right. He was right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> he wasn't Ralphish. He was just right. Actually, <laughs> Jesus was a bit Ralphish. Especially <laughs> in the temple. Yeah. In the temple, yeah. He yeah. definitely got a bit Ralphish. Good gosh, I'm going to have to make so many t-shirts. In this <laughs> <Yeah. day>. <laughs> so <laughs> what we did was we decided, my wife's, again, she brings out the best in me. She, If there is any best in me, she brings it out. Um, she, she knows how to break down my mind in ways that fascinates me. Yeah. You know, she can keep me on target. You know, Rick, you've been talking to me for a couple of days now. You get it. I'm kind of all over the place. And uh, my wife brings this this gift that she can help me formulate my own thoughts. And then, of course, her thoughts are always beautiful. So I said, why don't we podcast? And we started doing this podcast. And we focus on marriage. We focused, we talked about the boroughs. She doesn't want to be called the borough. Uh, you know, she doesn't <laughs> like that. Um, but she's from one of the boroughs. So it's kind of. <laughs> oh, is that a New York borough? Well, Boom. she's from Long Island. She's in yeah, Long Island. I don't Island. know if Long Island's considered one of it's the not a borough. Is it not a borough? We're just the suburbs. 
Mm. Yeah, it would, it would we'll have call been her the Burbo. The Burbo. We'll call her the so Burbo. So, Rashonda, if you're listening to this podcast, here's what here's what we think: a burrow is a beast of burden that carries burdens of others. So you've been doing that with your husband for quite some time now. Yes. So you're already all one by default. You are one by default. But then also, um, they try to save people's life. Just ask Balaam. Mm. So you're doing a good job. So we actually see burrows as a good thing. And actually thing. burrows Amen. are put in pastures and stuff to save pe- save animals' they lives are. from bears. Yep. Sioux and coyotes. They're amazing animals. Four-legged kiggers. That's what about you? the burrows? <laughs> Sorry. Worse than two legged cougars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so, we need to bring um, Rashonda down here to get you straightened up, pal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does your wife have the same view, predator's view? Um, I don't know that she calls herself a preterist. Okay. Um, when we had first met, she she comes out of the Co- uh, Kojic denomination, Church oh, yeah. of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're Pentecostal, you know, most for the most part dispensationalist. And um, as we've talked to her and I, she's again, helped me understand what I'm saying, which mm-hmm, is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that she's come to see the truth of it. She doesn't argue with me. Okay. And, um, but again, I think that she shares an idea that we don't need to be so aggressive. We don't, you know, we don't need to make that our, our focal point in everything that we have to disagree. And unfortunately, my wife and I, she experienced this right from the start. We're just married in July. Two months ago, we visited a local church and they escorted us out mm. uh, due to the fact that they knew that I teach full preterism. So, you know, I pray for my wife and I hope that she uh, continues to get a, a healthy understanding of these things and not so much. Where can we find your podcast? Because I want to listen to that. It's on Spotify, Apple okay. Music and uh, Buzzsprout. This is okay. the free the one that we use or something. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't like churches that is, escort people out, and I don't like pastors who say we don't want people like them in this church because that's just that's not right. That's mm-hmm. not that is mm-hmm. not that is not Christian at all. Period. Uh, Jesus invited the tax collectors, the prostitutes, in the house with him. So what I find most shocking about that story is you were just visiting. You weren't invited to preach. You weren't. You know, like uh, you said that you're, you you didn't try ins- to join. Yeah, you instituted in your church they an opportunity where once a month, yeah. yeah, you go yeah. visit other churches, which is such a beautiful idea. I think that's so wonderful that you guys do that, and that's all that was going on. You were just creating fellowship by visiting another church. Yeah, uh, you know, if I might speak to, that, I'll just say this, and I think it has a lot to do with what we talked about. A lot of these things have to do with the way you're framing them. Mm. We noticed the conversations I was having with these pastors. I look back and I'm like, man, to borrow a phrase somebody said to me recently, it's cringy. It makes you like, ooh, you know, maybe you should have a little bit more grace in the way you're approaching people. And here I was, this young kid. Imagine, I'm meeting with pastors that have been in ministry for years. Sure. Um, well, let me show you why you're wrong. So, yeah, I just, I think that there needs to be more grace. And I think that uh, I lost my point, but I, that's where I want to end. There needs yeah. to be more grace. Yeah. yeah. I think we all need a little more grace. Yep. Well, earlier today- Even I, Andy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, we have a new t-shirt called the Even Andy t-shirt, guys. We'll be releasing that pretty soon. Probably on our February 2nd Patreon Super Brer Warrior. Uh, it's the Super Quiz Bowl. Um, so this morning I put out, uh, asked if anybody wanted to ask some questions of you. And uh, I just got one about 12 minutes ago. It's not a question, though. It's from a person by the name of Mark Lottenville. Do you know him? No. He says, I've been hoping you would get to Michael Miano. Look forward to hearing this. So thank you, Mark Lottenville. Here he is. So now you're going to get to hear him. 
Oh, so say deal. hello to Mark Lottenville. Yes, Mark. Thank you for the, the comment. And I do know that, again, you know, you read names on Facebook. They don't yep. always sound the way. So yeah. I do know that name. And thank you, Mark, for looking forward to and the podcast. And it says here that he's a top fan. Yeah. It's of awesome. Burroughs. Of the, it says he's a top fan of us or then Amen. our Facebook. Yeah. So he, he obviously looks. So thank you for, for listening and watch and not watching, but uh, being a Facebook uh, follower. Mark. Uh, also, before we go, but and I want to thank you, Michael, for being on the show. Thank and, you. And um, it means a lot that you came all the way down from Long Island to sit down here in Giraffe Studio in beautiful Hendersonville, North Carolina. See, I wasn't lying; I was telling the truth. Um, congratulations to a Mr. Travis Drum. Travis Drum won the 2022 Brer Warrior mm-hmm. Bible Trivia Game, and I mean, he won. Uh, those questions that I put at the end, like you had to really like get down in it, like get down deep, and he he got them all correct, and and he won that. So congratulations to him and some other people, uh, Joshua Thompson, uh, Kenadrum. Uh, there's so many. We also got this cool little message, and I sent it to you guys this morning, and I wanted to make mention to this today because it was it was just so sweet. So if you guys will just bear with me. Um, <laughs> I just got an email from Charlton R. Carter. Never heard of him. I never have. <laughs> he called himself Eye Candy. Did he really? Yeah, I called him Eye Candy, and he said he was a whatchamacallit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I've already used that one. Sorry. Have you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Rick, the other one. That's what I got saved in my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> so, Carrie Burt Tom, uh, Thompson sent me a picture and uh, it says, y'all said recently that the boroughs were reaching a younger crowd lately, 30s and 40s. Just thought y'all would want to know. You have a 12-year-old fan who was really excited to open the mail today. And it's a picture of this young woman who's got the Boroughs of Bria podcast hat on. And that's just adorable, man. I love it. Well, thank you for it. listening. Yeah, it means a lot to us. Um, there was several people that won, but I remember this kid, Steven Jason was his name. Uh, he won like the first three. And so we're sending out, we got a lot of mailers. We, this week we're getting ready to ship out a lot of stuff. Beanies just got done. So if you guys want a beanie, put in your order for it. And, uh, have you seen my head? I have, (laughs) (laughs) I've got you a special beanie. Um, anyway, so again, thank you for being on the show, Michael. It means a lot that you came here to be with a bunch of burrows around here. Thank you for the invite. It's a blessing. I believe this is the healing of the nations. Yeah, I really do. I I believe we need to learn how to have good conversations. We need to learn how to be more gracious and apologize and maybe receive rebuke a bit more. uh, Do you have anybody in your life that you'd like to apologize to? I have a lot of people I'd like to apologize. Yeah, to. Yeah. I had that same thought in my you've head. Got the next, you've got the next 75 <laughs> minutes to know. You know, if I might say this, um, in, in the preterist conversation, yeah. um, I do want to say I never want to offend anyone. So I, I apologize for offending in my speech in the way that it can be sharp sometimes. Um, and I hope that, again, Jesus says that judge others the way you want to be judged. Uh-huh. And I, I would hope that I can be gracious and people would extend that same grace to me. And I know I've acted like a know-it-all. I've acted like a jackass, not a burrow, but a jackass. Yeah, in, in same sometimes. thing. So <laughs> if I might say this, um, you know, in, in the preterist community, there's a lot of animosity. And I apologize to men that I've debated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've debated Sam Frost. I've debated Stephen Whitsett. I've debated these men. And I apologize for anything that ever came off in a way that was 
brash and, and made it seem like, you know, I don't know that I'm a know-it-all in recovery. Yeah. You know, I, I apologize in that regard. Um, I apologize to Gary DeMar for, you know, again, he's receiving a lot of heat. He's receiving a lot of flack for just asking questions. Right. And that was my journey. I was asking questions and wanting to learn. So I never want people that are in the midst of that. Someone said to me recently, we need to find a place for those that are in a journey and just trying to learn and ask questions rather than saying, are you partial? Are you full? Or what title do you hold to? Right. You know, maybe we need to become from, uh, comfortable with whatchamacallit. Mm. You know? yeah. um, so I apologize, Gary. I apologize, you know, Don. I apologize to anybody that I've ever, that's the hallmark, in my opinion, of a Christian life. Yeah. And I, I hope, and I hope this is a healing to a lot of people. And I know it's for me. It's yeah. been a blessing to listen to the podcast and see, we're all on a journey and there's yeah. a lot of things that we don't know about each other in our, our walks that we're not considering. And then the things that we're going through right now uh, that, you know, the, the ministries that we're doing right now that we're, you know, we don't realize the, all the things that are going on in people's lives. So I want to say that I'm sorry. I, I know how you can keep from offending people. Just say, hey, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> but he's not. He's they'll they'll understand. <laughs> that's, that's, true. that's like cussing to a New Yorker, isn't it? Yeah, New Yorkers would love that. That's it. That's a good one. That's right. That's it. You know, I'm from New Jersey. Sorry, folks. Funny. Well. <laughs> uh, well, I Candy, thanks for hanging out. Mm -hmm. Mom so hard. Woo. Appreciate you being here. Ralph, Andy, Represent. Sarita, Cherry, all of y'all. Does anybody have it? any other questions? All y'all? Yeah. And all hearts and minds are clear? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, again, thanks again, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, thanks for yeah. coming. Yeah. Thanks so much. This, this is, is awesome. great. Well, we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Peace out. Bye, y'all. See ya. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. I just texted my husband, too, because I'm like, is the house burned down? Yeah. But no, if we're just going to go home, then it's fine. Turns out. I would if it wasn't for the fact that my children are in their house. Otherwise, I'd be like, enjoy that, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to get everybody the right size. <laughs>